You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner and Derek Piper properly caffeinated on this Thursday night. I don't think we need caffeine after the adrenaline and the energy that was in this building for a double overtime classic. Illinois finds a way to win. They're up seven with two and a half minutes left in regulation. Blow that lead down seven points after Michigan goes on 18-4 run at the end of the regulation at the beginning of the first overtime. Uh, and they overcome that down seven points with two minutes left in this game, Derek. And they come back for double overtime and they get away with a victory. What was a I don't know what just happened. Like this is the second <laughs> straight home game. We're sitting here at State Farm Center. We're like, what just happened? Um, this is a roller coaster ride, Derek. And it was fun again tonight by the end of the ride. It can be fun, can it? And another memorable home finale here uh, in the last couple of years with the fans in the building. Right. You get 2020 against Iowa, a two-point win. 2022 last year to win the Big Ten title, another two-point win. And this one goes to double OT. So uh, as soon as the tickets go on sale, make sure you're in the building for whatever the last game is. Keep making these marquee matchups. I'm all for it. But uh, a lot of different ways to break it down. I, I asked Brad about how he felt in the late game tension type of moments. And there were some good things with, with Illinois being able to come back from seven down late in that overtime period. But obviously they blew a seven point lead at the end of regulation, took some bad shots with the lead there in double overtime that allowed Michigan to ultimately pull within one Hunter could have tied at the free throw line, but he missed the free throw. Uh, Shannon took a bad three after Meyer had taken three before that uh, where Illinois, one of the big storylines for me was, Hey, Illinois didn't chuck a bunch of threes. They actually went to the rim and scored. And it was sure. great to see uh, Ty, great uh, great energy off the bench and made some great plays, career-high 14 points against his in-state school. And uh, it was one of those wild games that we, we love about March. So yes. welcome to March, a team that um, has been having stuff like this happen all season long. But uh, if nothing else, they're they're comfortable in these type of games. So uh, we'll, we'll see where that ultimately goes. But a nice win. It, we can avoid the conversation of how close to the bubble you're going to get, how far down the seed lines you're going to drop. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're in a tie for second place in the Big Ten, and uh, this this definitely puts you in a situation where you're not falling at all and, and a big opportunity on Sunday against Purdue. There are so many little things in this game, like just little things throughout this game that we can break down. But by the end of it, Derek, Illinois has 20 wins in a regular season. And it's just such a roller coaster that sometimes it's almost like, is anybody out there enjoying this? <laughs> because it is, it's been frustrating. It's been at times exhilarating. And I asked Brad Underwood, what's it like to coach this team that can give up a seven point lead with a couple minutes left and then 
erase a seven point deficit with a couple minutes left in overtime. And it's just, he's like, you know what? I've, I've come to, to kind of enjoy it because I know I'm never out of a game. And that's, that's one thing we got to keep coming back to is as poorly as they played at Ohio state, they found a way to come back and have a chance to win that game with eight minutes left or whatever it was. They didn't do it. Uh, and that's the bad thing about this team is they can bury themselves and they buried themselves early in this game down 10, four, um, just a poor start again to the game, made some defensive bus, but they are capable of beating good teams uh, and doing it on the road as well. We've seen them do that and have a chance to win on the road. And that's what makes them so enticing coming in the NCAA tournament. And yeah, if there was any doubt, Derek, this team's now going to the NCAA tournament. Like it was probably going to happen even if they lost out, but they are going to the NCAA tournament. They'll probably be a top nine seed in the NCAA tournament. And for a four straight year, Brad, Underwood's program has 20 wins, which is uh, the first time they've done that since 2007, four straight years when uh, Illinois went from 2000 to 2007, a golden era. They did it in the eighties, a golden era. Um, This is, this is, you know, when this is kind of a a frustrating year and and you're definitely going to the NCAA tournament, definitely going to be a top nine seed. Like, again, I, I hate going big picture all the time, but this team is capable of it. And we found out again, but boy, you never know minute to minute where this team's going to take you. You don't. And it's, it's maddening. It's intoxicating. It's everything really, it's not really in the, I was going to say everything in between, but it's usually the, the opposite no. end of the spectrum. That's the I think crazy Brent part. Underwood would love the in between. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And we just don't know which version is going to show up at a specific time in the NCAA tournament. We're probably going to see both ends of it. Just what, and the, the defining moments of the game is Illinois going to ultimately be. I, I think that, the, the highs of it are awesome. Like to have Meyer and Shannon to be able to make the plays they make Meyer uh, monster Matt, you know, or however you want to call it now to be able to step up and make the threes that he makes Shannon going downhill, like a madman tonight, like 12 fouls drawn is ridiculous. Shooting 16 free throws. I know he wasn't very efficient. Like he started one for his first nine, but did be able to, when you're down seven, get a big and one uh, scored a big bucket late in that overtime. And, yeah, can, uh, can, can I focus on that for a second, Derek? Go ahead. You got two dudes. And that's why, like, anybody saying this team will do nothing in March, like, there's not a lot of teams that have two dudes like that. Two guys who are probably going to have a chance at some point to play in the NBA. Like, these guys will have an NBA contract at some point, uh, whether it's two-way, whether it's G- whatever. Like, they will have a chance uh, to, to be in the NBA. Like, not a lot of teams have that. And we saw that come out in overtime. They had 17 of the 21 points for Illinois. And, I know some people don't like Meyer taking threes. I'm going to live with it because he's going to make them. He made four of the Illini's five threes tonight. As you said, Illinois did a great job of not settling for threes, but I'm fine with Matthew Meyer taking 11 threes and making four of them because that that's a decent percentage. Uh, and, and you take that with the rest of your team. If they could make, you know, 38% or whatever it is uh, from three. So uh, I, I thought he showed up big in that second overtime, seven points there. Terrence Shannon, obviously, in that first overtime, stepped up and made some free throws uh, late in this this uh, over, double overtime. So you got two dudes who can do it. And, and tonight you also got the supporting cast with, with R.J. Melendez, you know, 12 points tonight, attacking the rim, uh, six dunks tonight. Uh, I made the joke like it's kind of a real joke. I don't know if in the John Gross era we had seasons with six dunks, let alone games. Um, and then Ty Rogers, man, he looked like the point guard tonight. And and then he's adding five offensive rebounds, some huge plays. Uh, those two were absolutely monstrous for Illinois. And don't want to overlook Coleman Hawkins, who played 49 minutes. Um, 
and we'll bring up the stars in this game, man. The stars shined for on both sides with what Hunter did, with what Kobe Bufkin did. Jet Howard did some big shots, but Coleman battled because Danger only played seven, 17 minutes. Coleman stayed on the four for 49 minutes tonight and just battled. Yeah, he definitely did. They didn't give Hunter too much stuff easy. I thought that they maybe got away from the double uh, at times. Didn't it hurt them? But uh, for the most part, if you would have asked me middle of the second half how Hunter Dickens' night was, I would say it was it was above average, but it wasn't great. You know, he yeah. kind of stumbled around there in the post, fumbled the ball a little bit, had turnover issues, but obviously got going there down the stretch and was really unstoppable one-on-one and gave Illinois a lot of problems. Now, when they did try to double, was that at the end of regulation when Jet Howard hit that three, or was that in – well, at the end of regulation, was overtime. That, that was Terrace Reed had the ball, right? And Matt Meyer went off of him. And, uh, you know, you don't go off of Jet Howard. I'd rather have Terrace Reed hit a two on yeah. you uh, and, and play another possession. Uh, and, and Brad Underwood brought that up. Uh, that, that's a Matt Meyer mistake. And, and why he won't have exactly five stars for me tonight, because there were yeah. some mistakes on that end for him. But, um, yeah, th- those are plays you, you can't allow because you got to be – Brett Bielma has the football one-on-one. you got to have the basketball one-on-one there. Yeah, and I thought that there were times where Illinois didn't <laughs> do an awesome job at that. Um, I didn't get a shot off. I know it would have been maybe from half court or just inside right after because Michigan took the three. The Joey Baker three was with like five seconds to go, and they could have taken the very last shot. He misses. Sincere pushes it up the floor, passes it to Ty. Ty tries to make another pass to RJ. Just didn't have enough time there. Joey Baker, two chances for big shots, and neither of them went in. The first one looked good at the end of regulation. Yeah, it did, and the second one missed badly, but he was, I mean, he was wide open. And I know yeah. Brad was talking and wanting to foul. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. He was telling Larry Scarato that he, he wanted to foul, and um, Larry Scarato was not a fan favorite. Either was uh, Carsonson, and um, I do think they had a rough game. I think Illinois was uh, on the wrong end of some of a bad whistle a number of times. You had the goaltend that – that wasn't, and then a, a goaltend call on Coleman that I don't think deserved to be because he got it before the, the backboard. But You know me, Derek. I am not a ref guy that's during the game. No, uh, I, I, I just don't do that a lot. I, I do think the officiating in the Big Tens is dropping in quality. I think everyone that watches basketball can see that. I thought it was interesting Juwan Howard complained about the refs because there was about the final five minutes of regulation, ten minutes of regulation, like a lot of them went against Illinois. Like, there were a lot of bad calls, and a lot of them went against Illinois. Um, and to their credit, they, they didn't let it impact them. Uh, but, man, I think the game could have ended in regulation if it weren't for some of those calls. Um, you know, Juwan came out and said maybe some did go against Michigan, but it, it felt like there was a real stretch there where objectively the refereeing was, was really hurting Illinois. Yeah, some of the foul calls for sure. Even the the McDaniel one where he pushed up the sideline and they said it was out on Illinois and Illinois didn't even touch it. He kind of came out and then went back in. There there was just a handful. The goaltends, yeah. Goal the goal, I mean, the goaltends, I, I can understand, like, human eye in that moment. It can be hard to really see that, but you see the slow-mo and it's like, oh, man, like that wasn't all, all that close. Um, there was just some, some rough calls. You'd like to be able to review those. But, uh, yeah, I, that was – Something they had to overcome, and, and yeah, we don't usually spend a whole lot of time, uh, you know, trying to say that the the refs decided games. Uh, but they we, overcame it. Kudos to them. They man. did. Yeah, they did. Uh, and I, I think to circle back to what you're saying on the on the front end was like for RJ and Jet Howard to essentially almost be a push, and you could even argue if you look at maybe defensively and RJ's rebounding, like efficiency. 
efficiency. It could have even argued that he had a better night maybe by a little bit. But uh, I think attacking the basket, a, a guy that earlier in the season and during his slumps was kind of just a stand in the corner and shoot. And if it doesn't go in, you, you're not bringing a whole lot. His energy has been great. And to hit a monster three. He did. I hate, to, I hate to say monster all the time tonight. Yeah, but it, right. I think we're endorsed at this. Let's get as many mentions <laughs> in this area as we possibly can to, to get that NIL dollar uh, figure out for Matthew Meyer. But uh, to posterize Hunter Dickinson, which he did, uh, that was huge. And uh, Ty, obviously, is an energy guy. I mean, his looked like his forehead almost at the rim on that putback dunk. And uh, doesn't use the left hand around the rim, but, man, he can get to the rim whenever he wants. Yeah. He kind of does that awkward – uh, he, he doesn't look awkward when he does it, but he does the yeah. uh, the right hand from the left side. And, uh, yeah, 14 and 7 for him, plus 16. And Coleman, yeah, he, he battled. I mean, he's given up probably 30, 40 pounds to Hunter. And having he to hold, stood his ground, man. Yeah, having to hold his his position and yeah. and just make things make things tough. Hunter, you know, to his credit, he, he puts them in for sure, but – uh, Hunter also struggled a little bit defensively too, and, and obviously turned it over. Yeah, Hunter had what thirty-one points. Um, I think he gave up about the same. <laughs> and Illinois attacked that, and that's something against on Sunday against Purdue that I think is interesting. Dane played seventeen minutes. I think it was more because he was struggling defensively, and in Michigan and McDaniel did a great job uh, of exploiting that drop coverage. You know, Buffkin and, and Jet Howard pretty good in the mid-range game as well. Um, so that's why Coleman played forty-nine minutes. Like that's why I say like. I'm, I'm glad Brad mentions it too, but Coleman did not have a good first half at all offensively, but just the way that he allows Illinois to play a certain way, like just him being on the court allows Illinois to play a certain way, defensively, offensively, that opens things up for this team that you just can't do when Dane's on the court, when Kofi was on the court, right, Derek? And when you got a guy like Terrence Shannon or got a guy like Matthew Meyer or Ty Rogers, and I want to sink more into Ty here in a little bit, um, it just allows you to maybe open up their games a little bit more. But one of the first points you mentioned, Derek, was 18 threes tonight they attempted. Only made five of them. That's a problem. Uh, they're, they're not a good shooting team. Missed a lot of layups, but they got to the rim. They got to the foul line. Terrence Shannon, poor shooting night, but got 16 free throw attempts, made 13 of them. Matthew Meyer got to the free throw line several times tonight. Uh, but points in the paint, 46 to 32 against a team that has Hunter Dickinson and Terrace Reed. Um, that's that's huge for Illinois. And Sean Harrington mentioned it on Twitter. That's how you win in March. Uh, you attack and you put pressure on the rim. When you got a guy like Coleman Hawkins and Ty Rogers that, that can attack the glass and may, maybe RJ doing it a little bit more now, um, that can be a winning recipe for this team that's not a good shooting team outside of Matthew Meyer. Yeah, 46 points in the paint. And when you have, you talk about length and athleticism, it doesn't usually translate to a team that's all of a sudden a bunch of spot-up shooters. Like, you're not using your your athletic advantages there. It makes sense why Alfonso Plummer, Trent Frazier, Jacob Grandison, who's, who's not, you know, the best athlete, that team is kind of limited in that, you know, they're a spot-up around the perimeter and the ball comes out, they're going to shoot threes. But sometimes this team has fallen in love so much with it. Number one, they don't shoot great percentages, but you're kind of – you're you're missing the the boat on you know Shannon as probably the most explosive player that, that Brad's coached here at Illinois. I don't think that's that's even a, a bold statement by any sense. Uh, RJ can you know get up and, and finish. You know Ty's 
very athletic. Uh, Coleman too, at his size to move like that. And uh, isn't Ty? Isn't Ty? I mean, this isn't a surprise given he's been with Fletch, but he's he's even a better at like way better athlete than I even thought in high school. And I thought he was a good athlete yeah. in high school. No, I, the way he's getting up there around the rim or skying for yeah. rebounds is really impressive. And yeah, for them to be able to. And this is a good Michigan defense. Like Michigan was number two in the Big Ten in league play and defensive efficiency coming into this game. They had been uh, one that was was pretty difficult to score on, and Illinois just imposed their will going downhill. And uh, I just like the aggressiveness that Shannon showed. I think sometimes he tries to sell foul calls. He obviously did one time on a three that looked like maybe a back breaking shot late in that game, but uh, for him to shoot sixteen free throws, anytime he's in double digit on a, on a free throw attempt, uh, you're going to be in really good shape for the most part drew, drew 12 fouls um terrence shannon did yeah. tonight um that's just huge uh, you've seen so many teams like remember carson edwards used to get to the free throw line 12 times against illinois like, it just it, it stacks up uh towards the end of the game and it was huge for illinois uh tonight let's bring up the freshman you were without one freshman guard and jade neps um you know we don't know all the details there uh, i know everyone wants to know the details but Brad Underwood said he went down. And from what I understood, uh, I don't know what you call it, a collapse or whatever, but he went down in practice and it was a scary injury. They didn't know what it was at first. So I don't know what happened, what it looked like, Derek, but he ends up with a concussion, stays overnight. It was serious enough there. He showed up to shoot around today for about 10, 15 minutes, uh, we were told, and um, but wasn't here for the game. So obviously in concussion protocol, obviously probably pretty serious concussion. Most of them are serious, but this one seemed pretty severe given that it was a scary incident, Brad Underwood said, uh, during practice. So we don't know when he'll be back, if he'll be back. But uh, Ty Rogers, man, stepped up, didn't start the game. Sincere Harris got some tick there. Terrence Shannon handled the ball a lot tonight. But Ty Rogers got wherever he wanted to go uh, offensively. Didn't always finish, but ended up 6 of 9, 14 points for Ty Rogers, along with those five offensive rebounds, two turnovers in 33 minutes. Derek, Ty Rogers pretty good at that point. What would you make of him? I liked it. I, like you said, it seemed like he could get downhill whenever he wanted. He's got the ability to, to change directions with the handle. It's pretty advanced for his size, and I think he's got really good feel. I mean, that was something that noticed about him in high school is someone that's always been a very team player, has been surrounded by a lot of really good players like Team USA and playing on Mean Streets with Jalen Washington, A.J. Casey, and uh, Cam Kraft. So he, he's been in those situations as a pass-first type of guy, facilitator. Uh, but to be able to go down downhill and uh, finish around the basket, we got a lot of trees in there and guys trying to contest shots. Obviously, he's got the physical strength to handle any contact when he decides to go in there off the dribble. But can you imagine him in like two years with the strength yeah, he's going to have? No, <laughs> I know he's going to be a monster. I mean, he already yeah. looks like one, and the second half of the season has been really outstanding and. Uh, you know, the talk throughout the summer was like Ty's maybe one of our best players already and definitely some guy that we want in finishing lineups and could push for a starting spot. And obviously we didn't see anything close to that early on in this season because he struggled. He took some time. His confidence, I think, got shot a little bit with his shooting struggles. But uh, you see it now. And he's a, he's a big piece going forward, especially like you mentioned. We don't know how long Jaden's going to be out. It does sound like that's a – a serious concussion and one that could could take a while. I mean, we, we know Terrence, I, I don't know what his 
how that was graded on the, on the scale and everybody reacts differently. And it's kind of, you know, protocol is a day by day type of reaction mm-hmm. thing, but maybe this one's a little bit longer uh, for him. Uh, so I, I think it's really important and it's a, it's a big deal. I didn't ask Brad this cause I didn't think he wanted to sh- you know, throw a shot or anything, but not many big 10 teams go to Michigan and get a player that either or both the Spartans and Michigan both want. And Ty Rogers is one of those that Illinois was able to get. And then the, Turn him loose on on Michigan have score what's to this point a career high. Uh, it's a big deal. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Derek, I love Juwan Howard and Hunter Dickinson. I'll tell you why. They are great villains. They, they are great villains in the Big Ten. Uh, I was asking Zach Shaw, who covers Michigan for 24-7 sports, you know, it, Jet Howard is good enough to be a lottery pick, right, potentially top 20 pick. And now Kobe Bufkin, who is going to be like their go-to guy next year, might be playing himself into a first-round draft pick as well. But they, they think Hunter's going to come back, and I love it. I love it. Uh, he's But Illinois fans – Gives you a great villain. He's a guy you love to hate. And, and if he's here for a fourth year, I mean, Cap, he was awesome uh, in the overtimes and, and towards the end of this game. Uh, fantastic player. But uh, I, I just think he's he loves being the villain. He plays it really well. And uh, he finally got to play a game here. But Illinois fans probably pretty happy. He's going home 0-4 against Illinois. And Juwan Howard's 0-6 now against Illinois. I mean, think about everything Juwan's accomplished. Uh, regular season championship. Controversial around here and then you know a sweet 16 run elite eight run he's been pretty dang good but he doesn't have a win against brad underwood yet he does not and if you listen to i'm sure Illini fans aren't very frequent listeners of the hunter dickinson and jordan bohannon podcast but hunter did say <laughs> two, that, there's two keepers right there oh man uh, hunter said you can't call this a rivalry because they haven't gotten one yet you know rivalries are usually back and forth and they haven't beaten illinois in a while obviously during his time here and even the year beforehand. Uh, I was looking this up. We were talking about on the radio today. Juwan was 6-0 and as a player against Illinois. 0-6 as a coach. You can call it even as of now. But obviously, yeah, I mean, the, the Brad Underwood versus Juwan, a lot of fans are going to like how that one's trending. But uh, I agree with you. I think that – I mean, give me all the Illinois-Iowa, all the Illinois-Michigan. Oh. I like the storylines, like the – the the fan base is not liking each other and all of that. And Hunter plays right into it. He, he knows what he's doing. And it's it's great. And he had a really good game. Uh, Atlanta fans can still st- talk that trash and everything. And, um, you know, Juwan is, is someone that's from Chicago. You're gonna always going to have that dynamic where if you have some talent out of that area, he, they're going to try to be a factor too. And it's just – it's very fun. And I know the Orange Crush was hyped up. I, they didn't do anything crazy to my knowledge. Obviously, they had some words for, yeah. for both. But um, 
I thought the best uh, trash talk was between Larry Serato and, and the Orange Crush Serato firing back today. Directly. You wanted to toss somebody at uh, halftime. Yeah. Larry's always interesting, man. Uh, he was the John Gross whisperer back in the day when he first became a Big Ten official, and now he's one of the more well-known guys and probably not for very good reasons. Uh, any other thoughts uh, on this game? I mean, I thought Buffkin was phenomenal uh, towards the end of this game in the second half. Uh, Jet Howard was great, too. I mean, that's a talented team. I don't know how they right now are outside looking in on the NCAA tournament. There's there's a lot of talent there, of course. but um, and, and, of course, the Llewellyn injury hurt them. But McDaniel's been playing really good. Didn't have a great game tonight. So kudos to Illinois for that. But um, there's a lot of talent on that team to be 17 and 13. Yeah, I know they're really young. And be glad that they didn't get the Abate to come back or did that – that's their problem isn't it yeah yeah they don't get caleb houston back they don't get diabate both those guys in the g league right now i mean they're a two-way contracts they're still getting paid well but um or not two ways but guaranteed contracts but that's that's been hurting them that's why buffkin leaving uh when just when you feel like he could be good but if they get buffkin howard and dickinson back that'd be pretty monstrous for him because howard doesn't need to go pro to make money he's got yeah but May you know, obviously another year to play for your dad would be uh intriguing, but middle of the first round projections been pretty consistent for him throughout the season. Buffkin now, I know that Sam Vicini, the athletic, has inserted him in the, the late first round area and he looks the part. Like he's a really good finisher downhill. He's shot, you know, thirty eight percent or so from three during Big Ten play and he's impressive. Like he had twenty eight against Wisconsin over the weekend, twenty three tonight. He's been on a roll. That's a big reason why Michigan's been dangerous here of late. They're 6-2 and two in February and uh, almost pulled one off here tonight. So uh, I think another thing that stood out to me that was, you know, it, it's an, an underlining storyline, but uh, Daniel had it going early in the drop coverage like you were talking about, and, and that's part of why Dan can get hard to play sometimes. you got those guards that are shot makers uh, off the dribble, and, and he hit those. He's really good at the mid-range shot, and that hurt. Illinois, but I, I think in addition to taking Dane out, like sincere drawing a lot of that matchup, kind of cut that off for him for the most part. Like uh, McDaniel was not a, a big factor really down the stretch of the second half or at all in the overtime. He couldn't get anything going. And there's a reason you play sincere Harris 22 minutes. Well, offensively, again, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't think any possession is going to end all that well for him uh, offensively no. right now, except on the fast break because credit him this. He's come a long way from those dunk attempts against low yeah. majors until now. But uh, outside of that, yeah, it's it's tough sledding and, and kind of holds your breath and ex- not expect the best offensively. He did have a monster rebound at the end. was at the end of regulation. I, there's so many ends of, of regulation overtime. He had a monster rebound. I think it was the end of regulation. Well, uh, the, at the end of overtime – he got it and pushed it up the floor and, yeah. and almost – he probably should have just shot it from half court because then probably knew Ty wasn't going to take a three. Ty's just got to throw it at the rim. I know. <laughs> I know you're not a good shooter, man, but you at least got to throw it at the rim. Yeah, Sincere, I think, came into tonight 56% uh, field goal percentage at the rim, which is actually higher than I thought it would be. Um, he was working at a deficit on, on dunk attempts for a while, so he's starting to improve that uh, at the very least. All right, Derek. Last game of the regular season, Illinois at Purdue on Sunday. Uh, Purdue squeaked out a road win uh, at Wisconsin, 63-61. to It is a Purdue team that's not playing all that great 
right now. Uh, they look more like the team I expected, which is Zach Eadie's really good. Is anybody else any good? Uh, mm-hmm. Fletcher Lawyer has been pretty consistent for them. Freshman guard, redshirt freshman, right? And just making a bunch of threes. Um, uh, not retro freshman, but freshman. And, and freshman, Braden Smith's kind of, yeah, Braden Smith's kind of come down. They're an okay, they're a solid three point shooting team, but that seems to be coming down here a little bit. Um, what do you expect in, in this game, which is an interesting matchup? It's a tough matchup. You're going to have to double Edie, obviously. And I don't think you're going to see tonight, like where they, and Matthew Meyer even mentioned in the post game, like we messed up some of our, our double team coverages and we're going to have to work on that because uh, obviously you're going to have to do that against Zach Edie because he's just, for as big as Hunter Dickinson is, he's three or four inches bigger and, and even more of a unstoppable force when you get it near the basket. But, yeah, Purdue, I mean, toughest venue to play in in, in the entire league, and they're they're great. I know you mentioned it, they're different at home. Yeah. And But still, like Indiana went in there and got a win. Uh, Lawyer, kind of the book on him, not that, I mean, he's, he's been really good, same with Smith, but teams are being pretty physical with him now and, and, and kind of knowing that he needs a – a year or two in the weight room to really be the, the best player that he's going to be. Cause he's, he's going to be around for a while and, and be a problem. But I look at Illinois strength and we can get after you defensively. That's, that's really the thing with this team. Like that's what's frustrating sometimes is like Michigan was able to settle in early where Dickinson hits a three and then, you know, McDaniel's getting some clean looks. And sometimes this team is really, really good defensively. And sometimes they, they have breakdowns or lapses for whatever yeah. reason. So if guys like Shannon can get into him and, uh, I just think the athleticism of Illinois, they're really intent on getting downhill, attacking the basket, see what you can do attacking. Obviously, Edie around the around the rim is a, is a factor, but it's a game Illinois can win. It just It's a very interesting matchup with Edie, yeah. and uh, I, I do think Illinois will try to see what they can do with Coleman at the five, too. Just, you know, if, it's, it's one of those where Coleman needs to shoot because yeah. he'll be in some pick and pops that they can – use against Edie, and if that's going down, that's that's something that can kind of be the, the counterpunch to him sitting there in the paint. Yeah, I don't mean to steal Joey Wagner's thunder, but he did some quick math. Uh, this is going to come down to Shannon and Meyer, right? Like it's going to come down to how well do those guys play because, um, you know, Purdue, do they have – like they got some guys that can defend a little bit, but one-on-one in ISO situations, like Terrence Shannon can take any of those guys. Uh, Matthew Meyer can – you know, Gillis is not the most athletic, you know what I mean? Like, so it's going to come down to those guys. And, and Joey Wagner had a stat. When those guys combine for 30-plus points, which isn't a lot for those two. Like, that's what they average, basically. Um, Illinois is 9-3 and three against high-major opponents. So that seems like a, a pretty big number. Like, if they hit 30 points, Illinois has got a really good chance to, to beat a high-major opponent. I was just going through, because I know we're going to get this question – Illinois is one of six teams right now with eight losses in the Big Ten. I mean, Purdue clinched with the win anyway, but they they clinched with 13 wins before their game was done tonight, winning the Big Ten championship by itself. It's crazy how close this is. With one night, one day remaining in the Big Ten, Derek, um, two days, one game in the Big Ten, Illinois can be from a two in the Big Ten tournament, I think to a nine is the lowest I could find them. Oh, my them. gosh. It might be two to eight, but everyone I'm like seven seems like a pretty good one for them. Rutgers losing really helped them because they have a, a tiebreaker over Rutgers. Um, if if Northwestern loses and they're tied with Rutgers, like they got some tiebreakers actually going their advantage now. Um, but 
the realm of possibilities is still insane going into the final game. I don't know how much people care about Big Ten tournament seeding, but if you're a seven, you got a good chance to to play either Wisconsin or Penn State. Uh, if you're eight seed, maybe you're playing Rutgers, uh, maybe you're playing Michigan again. I don't know, but it's you can go on that website. I'll tweet it out here in a little bit, and you can find so many different combinations. But don't know, I still can finish as high as a two seed if they beat Purdue. They can That's still unreal. get a double by. Yeah, I saw someone tweet that there's that simulator. I know Trevor, our good friend, sent us the link a week ago or so. But uh, if the favorites play out, all the favorites win, which, of course, it's March Madness. That, that won't happen, but just kind of give you a snapshot. Yeah. If all the favorites win going forward, Illinois would be a seven. But there's a lot of different combinations. Like Michigan playing at Indiana is going to be a very interesting game. Uh, Maryland's got to play. I just did one of them and I got a two. (laughs) If everything went Illinois way, I got a two. Oh man. But that's not going to happen because not everything's going to go their way. But like, I was just trying to find as many, I I think a seven is probably the most likely they will get, but Mm -hmm. um, there's still a ton of possible. I found a way I could get a three. (laughs) So it's, pretty insane right now who knows when you'll see us in chicago is kind of the, <laughs> That's the, the bottom line there right i mean um i think also what's kind of interesting if you don't care about the big 10 tournament seating i know that, that might have mattered a little bit more it's all about the NCAA tournament but that kind of also gives a picture of how these teams stack up on like a team sheet like for the the tournament committee because all these teams are log jammed here a lot of big 10 squads are anywhere from a seven to like a nine or a ten and I think the finishing position could put a perception like, hey, if you're fourth in one of the best leagues in the country, that could help you. But then also setting up a, a path to win a couple games in Chicago, which generally you, you might not care. You're like, oh, if you can get a, like last year when they lost in, in India, we're like, oh, just a couple of days rest. We saw it almost kind of ruined them the, the year before. But mm-hmm. um, getting to like a Saturday or a Sunday could could be the difference in a, a seed line, maybe even yeah. two, if Illinois is going to beat Purdue and then go to the Big Ten tournament and make a little bit of noise. So, uh, again, it, I think it comes down to, uh, for a lot of people, if you can get out of that 8-9, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, a win at Purdue, obviously, uh, would be a great start to making that a, a reality. Get out of the 11 a.m. game. I, I don't like this team in 11 a.m. games, whether it's the NCAA tournament. Um Big Ten tournament, whatever it is. We'll see 11.30 a.m. And I guess it'll be 12.30 where they are, Eastern time uh, at Purdue. Let's get you a few quick questions, Derek, before uh, we get out of here and call it a night, call it a season here uh, at State Farm Center. Uh, Brock asks, how do you think this game goes with Epps healthy? Uh, That's a tough question. Um, I mean, Rodgers played so well that – Rodgers played great, uh, and even like RJ being slotted into the starting lineup and, and playing the minutes that he did, like didn't have a problem there. I, I didn't think that like ball handling was a big problem for them. Uh, Underwood mentioned that kind of in the tight moments he didn't maybe call up as many sets or just uh, because of the the point guard situation. You know, you're not using you know your your floor general and Jaden out there, but as we've seen with this team all year long, like. Even with Jaden, who's a point guard, like a lot of the offense goes through Shannon and Meyer, and, and we still saw the, the same deal there tonight. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. Jaden's been struggling here recently, yeah. but we obviously know he's he's a talented player. Well, one thing it did, it took off a score. Like so, if Meyer and Shannon struggled, you didn't have a score, another score like that. Um, but one thing it did do is towards the end of the game, Derek, 
all those other guys knew who was getting the ball. Like you never, you didn't have a Jaden that was going to force up a shot because it's his turn or whatever. It was, it was Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon. Like those guys are going to go get us buckets. Like Coleman knew what his job was. Ty knew what his job was. RJ knew what his job was. And, and those guys all played it really well. Mike, if Epps doesn't return, is the lack of point guard a concern or are the long lineups better for March? What do you think? It's still a concern because you have a guy like Epps that can shoot it. Um, you're going to see situations if Ty's going to play on the ball where teams are going to maybe sag into the paint and, and see if they can clog that thing up and make him have have more in his way to drive. Now, you're going to have to stop him from getting where he wants to go. That's obviously a, something that he can throw right back at you. But uh, Jaden's a, a very – I mean – I know he's still a freshman, but he's played a lot of minutes. Like he's been there in a lot of games. So I, I feel pretty comfortable with the ball in his hands. Yes, the last couple of games, he's taken some questionable shots. He's had his own struggles for sure. He also but made I, some big buckets in some big games. Yeah, he definitely has. I mean, uh, I think too, he's a pretty solid defender at the very least in the mm-hmm. perimeter as well. And if you get into foul trouble, that could be something that Illinois would could really hurt from if he's going to be out and it thins you out there with your bench having to log heavier minutes. But like if, if Shannon were to get in foul trouble or uh, you think about Ty or sincere, that's where it could hurt you. Um, again, I'm not saying that Epps is the guy that you run your offense through every time and not having him is going to really just take away your identity of your offense. But Epps has been a, a key part of it. And uh, he's, he's obviously a very talented scorer and a, a good player. Craig, why was Dane on the bench the last 12 minutes? It might have been longer than that. Um, they were playing well without him. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Like Coleman allows them to do so much, and Coleman was battling. Uh, I know Hunter got some buckets late, but they were all tough. They were all tough buckets, and Hunter deserved them. <laughs> I will say Dane took it right at Hunter, and I, I didn't expect him to be as much of a, a scoring impact guy tonight. And early in the game – at, there was a stretch where he was like the best thing. I mean, he scored Illinois' first two buckets. He's the best thing yep. Illinois had going is just attacking Hunter. Defensively, yeah, drop coverage, not letting McDaniel get going, not letting Buffkin kind of have that mid-range. And I think that, yeah, Hawkins was able to to be the best type of matchup on Hunter as far as that goes. And it just allows you to play a little bit differently. And I, I think they like that. And it does take another non-shooter off the floor. If you're going to play Ty the minute you're going to play him, Maybe you want to have a little bit more of that spacing with Coleman as your five. Because if you put Dane out there with Ty and Sincere, too, like we saw a lot of those two freshmen playing together. If you throw Dane out there, you essentially got three non-shooters. Yep, yep, agreed. Angelo, what are the chances Coleman and TSJ come back next season? Meyer obviously out of eligibility. Shannon walked for senior day. It's his fourth year of college, but he does have the COVID year. Coleman, a junior. People were mentioning he didn't go through senior day. He's a junior, so they don't do that usually unless it's Io DeSumo projected first Kofi round pick. last year too. Yeah, Kofi um, as well. Uh, so I guess they do do it, but so maybe I'm, I'm poo-pooing that too much. No. Derek, I, asked, um, yeah. I asked Brad about it yesterday. I, I said you had Kofi, you know, last year go through it, and he was a junior in, in NBA draft conversations, and, and Coleman has been on mock, mock draft since He's the He's a higher-rated prospect than Kofi. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just asked him, you know, what goes into the conversation. He said, obviously, different situations, and they had a pretty good feel at this time of year that Kofi was pretty heavily leaning towards leaving. I think Coleman not walking tonight probably says that that's not a done deal at the very least. Yeah. Uh, at least uh, uh, that would be my read on it. I think he'd probably want to go to the combine, and if he gets an invite as far – or at least 
had the opportunity to get feedback and work out for teams. But um, the way he's projected right now, I know that similar to, you know, Illini fans, how they look at him, there's some, there's some reasons to love him. There's some reasons to maybe be turned off by him, but uh, people who do the mock drafts hear from enough at the next level to, to know that he's a legit prospect. And I, I would expect him to leave. And same with Shannon. I think Shannon came in with the idea. He's here for one year. He's on draft boards. Uh, he'll be a two-way player. Like, yeah. no, no doubt. Like At very worst, he'll be a two-way player. Very best, he'll have a guaranteed contract because he's a top 45 pick. Right. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think Shannon, enjoy him while you got him. I think Coleman's got more interesting decision. I think that one's going to go into May, right, before he's got to make that decision for the draft deadline. I think that one goes a while, which will be interesting with the transfer portal, right? You always got to weigh those things. But uh, getting Coleman back for another year I think would be huge. Like, again, I don't know if he's going to be the leading scorer on next year's team, but he's just so valuable in everything he does. And I think he could be even better uh, at a lot of things. And we're starting to see him go off the bounce a little bit more. I thought he had some great moves against Hunter. He just wasn't able to finish. Uh, so I think that's the next step in his game. And obviously shooting it consistently. Like Io came back to show he could shoot a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Coleman, it's going to be a question for him. Did you like his turnaround uh, fadeaway no. from the free throw line? No, but <laughs> – Sometimes those fadeaways do go in for him. That's what's really weird. Step back from the corner that actually went in. Yeah, I mean, he has not, you know, still logged a ton of minutes in college. Like last year, he was a a key role player off the bench down the stretch, and now he's a starter. And the feedback could be go get more experience, work on your jump shot even more, and try to circle it back in a year. And maybe he'll he'll do that. I I know that NIL will be a conversation on – Illinois side of things as far as that goes. And yeah, I think they're interested in, in trying to get him back. Yeah. Scotty B, not Scotty P, but Scotty B, uh, who's Illinois' best defender? A lot of choices. I think we were just talking about him. Um, Matthew Meyer thinks it's Matthew Meyer, uh, but he was getting pulled offense defense late in the game. So I don't think Brad Underwood agrees with that. I think it's Coleman. Uh, just, it just impacts the game in so many ways. I think Ty Rogers creeping up that, that chart, though. And RJ is really good, too. They have a, a good amount of options. If you would ask me this question early January, I probably would have said TJ. But because I, I thought that Coleman hadn't, to that point, had as many impactful defensive games as maybe we expected. But now I, I would go with him. Um, it's tough, though, because, like, Meyer can be really good, but he can gamble. He can get beat off the bounce. Um, TJ did a really good job on Jet tonight, too. He did. I think TJ, when he's really locked in at that end, can can be someone that's hard to get past. Obviously, he's, he's physical. RJ is, has really channeled that well at that end, and, uh, and Ty is showing why he was so highly touted uh, as a defender and, and that type of, of presence. But, yeah, I'd probably go Coleman, but there's a, a number of worthy candidates. Yeah, I, I just think the versatility of him. Like again, I just think there's so much value in him just being on the court. <laughs> like it, it, we didn't it even doesn't say sincere. Crap, I just saw that in the uh, in the comments. Yeah, he's really good. Like he's really good on the ball. Um, there are guys who can take advantage of his lack of physicality at times. Not that he plays physical, but he's just 165 pounds. Yeah, sincere is great uh, in certain stretches, but um, I just think Coleman's overall impact. He, he can defend anywhere on the court. Like, there's just not a lot of guys who can do that. Yeah, I mean, the block late on Bowie. I mean, that shows the way that he was able to switch that uh, in that that huge moment down the stretch. And, uh, I mean, he's he's checked some – he checked Sensiball, who's a 
middle of the first round type of talent. I mean, obviously we saw it with um, Keegan Murray last year. He's he's got the the resume for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to hit on? Uh, somebody talked about the new collective. Uh, big announcement for them today. Uh, Icon Collective, which is run by Kathleen Knight, former Illinois swimmer, but also former Illini athletics employee, worked in the uh, development office, which is the fund art fundraising wing of Illinois. Uh, did some good work already behind the scenes. The last three months have been kind of a quiet phase, but they already executed $1.5 million in contracts uh, with Illinois student athletes. That's serious business. Uh, it's more big donations. Uh, and Kathleen and, and Jackie Simoniak, who, who worked in Illinois athletics for a while, too, um, they have been they got great connections with that donor base, the big donor base. And uh, that's going to be significant, Derek, in a couple months, actually in the next month <laughs> for, for Illinois uh, basketball. And it talks about retaining a player like Coleman Hawkins, retaining their current players, uh, and then going into the transfer portal. Because we know – even before this, like that's huge in getting Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon at the time, Sky Clark. Um, so the fact that you have a full-time employed, it's a nonprofit organization, but uh, two very experienced fundraisers with your NIL effort, uh, I think is really significant for Illinois. And there to compliment the Guardians. Those guys are doing a really good job, but that's not their full-time job. Like for, for Kathleen and Jackie, it's their, their full-time job. So um, I think Illinois has done a heck of a job getting ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, NIL and it paid off for basketball last year. And I, I think with this new collective, it's going to make basketball even stronger. You said it right there ahead of the curve and they've done a really great job at that. A lot of commitment is where it starts from the, the fan base, the donor base to be able to generate the type of money and the interest for people to want to, to invest and, and put their, their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and, and to be able to impact really these teams and, and to try to, Great opportunities for guys that are on the team, and I mean, let's be honest, setting the setting the foundation for what recruits and pr- prospective transfers can see uh, as far as what the, the earning potential is there. So, uh, it, it was really, I know Illinois, as far as the basketball perspective goes, they they felt like when you first began in I, I and mean, we could do a whole podcast in NIL. When you first yeah. began it, it was a whole new world, and it was frustrating because some teams, <laughs> North Carolina, uh, were maybe promising more than people thought that was realistic and it was it, w- it wasn't unre- it was unrealistic yeah. yeah yeah and so that that part Illinois was trying to do what they felt the right way and and were careful about those things and then uh you know there was the the ruling you know some of the legislation was at first it was you could not have any direct contact as a coach talking to like Perspective athletes about NIL. Then, like the ruling came out, no, this is actually fair. People within the athletic department can do this, and uh, Illinois had a, a, a great infrastructure and was doing it well. And and then they're like, no, actually, the NCAA said, no, we're not going to allow that. So it has to be <laughs> completely like third third party or whatever. No. So it was another pivot, and they got this thing together. Like you said, they've got uh, Kathleen running this thing and right. heading it up and. And, and that kept Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton, Isaiah Ad. I mean, football is retaining great talent and has a great chance to build on last year because of it. And now basketball, which we know has already succeeded in NIL, uh, has that weaponized for them now. So I, I think Josh Whitman's done a great job of – I don't know if he loved the idea of NIL. And I think that mm-hmm. even, even Kathleen was nervous about, is this going to blow up the entire NCAA model and ruin the experience that I loved? Uh, but they also know – Illinois saw this as an opportunity. 
right? And, and the people that sometimes see these disruptions as opportunities to get better, those are the people who create Apple or whatever it is, right? Like in Illinois, I saw that, oh, we can, I hate to use word, like weaponize our great fan base, passionate fan base that wants to win more than anything and, and help us get some of the best players and retain the best players. Yeah, that's going to be good for us. So kudos to Josh Whitman for embracing it. Some ADs have not. I think Michigan took a while to get into this. Some other Big Ten opponents have taken a while to get into this. And uh, they've kind of just pivoted, 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 and, and found mm-hmm. a way to, to make it work. It's what you got to do. If you're not going to be adaptive, then you've you got to be able to win without having as much talent as some other places out there. Like, it's hard to do. It's hard. It's it's possible, but it's very very hard. And for years, fans felt like there was, and it's it makes sense. There was a competitive disadvantage in recruiting because you had programs that were willing to do stuff that maybe Illinois wasn't, and and that just was the reality now. And and it's that's kind of what the NCAA was trying to. Now, number one, they were trying to just get the players paid without it coming out of their pocketbooks, but they succeeded in that. Uh, but now, it's a program like Illinois can be in the ring with a Kentucky, a Kansas, and and not that there aren't some, some maybe even heavier hitters when it comes to NIL, but that kind of stuff, it, I think Illinois, especially in basketball, put themselves up pretty high in the pecking order of what they can provide and offer and everything. Um, and then so when that, you put together NBA draft prospects, winning, right, all, all that stuff is is building on itself. Yeah, presents a great sell, and, and I think that with Keith and Johnny making those decisions on the football side, it, it's – that's something to, to build off of. And I mean, look at the draft picks that they're probably going to have in this draft and the winning and get going on that side too. Yeah. Uh, Nick, quick question. Do you start Dane or Ty on Sunday? Brad seems to like Ty off the bench. He does. I, I put Ty in my projected starting lineup going to this game. I thought that's the way he was going to go, especially for the slow starts. And to be honest, yeah, I think that could fix that problem, but boy, Ty plays 25 plus minutes every game now he closes every game now yeah i think brad cares more about that um but man the slow starts are <laughs> happening a lot you kind of had another one didn't you <laughs> yep um it's interesting because i think that he's your best point guard with Jaden neff's out he is and you could make an argument for trying to run purdue early like really get up and down i thought that was one great thing tonight i know that it doesn't maybe show in the fast break points only only had six but shannon anytime he got it we're trying to push the ball up the floor, and maybe you just try to make it a an up and down game early on Edie and and play that that smaller ball lineup. Um, but you, you can ultimately get to that if you're you're going past the first media, and then Dane comes out and, and Ty comes in if you like that. And uh, Dane can obviously be someone that's physical, and it's going to take someone to, as far as the double team goes, hold their ground as much as you possibly can. And then bring that help because even if you're going to plan to bring a double, if he's posting you at the rim, you're pretty much screwed. So, yeah. um, yep. Dane's going to have to play some minutes in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris said, Can we get a recruiting update in one of the upcoming podcasts? Uh, wait a month. We'll find out what the transfer portal April's going to be busy, Derek. It's going to be a lot it's of transfers. Be, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be busy. But uh, I will tell you that uh, Marez Johnson was in attendance tonight. I, I caught up with him for a story. Love uh, him as a prospect. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Speaking and, of Diabate, that's who he gives me. Right. Of. 
And he said that it was really key for him. I mean, St. Rita had a disappointing season, knowing how much talent they ultimately have to fall short. They would have played Kenwood tomorrow night, which would have been a big-time matchup up there in Chicago. Uh, but he's shown some things with his development. He started to make a little bit more jump shots this year and is working on his skill a lot. And he said it, it helps to you don't see as many people sitting there in the paint now that I can step out and make a 15-footer or you know, be able to shoot a three at some point. And uh, – he is working on – I'm going to give you a little tease as we do in the radio biz. He's in somebody's ear about trying to join him in Illinois, and um, I'll have that in my story. Love it. Uh, you know who else is looking really good? Drake Gibbs Lawhorn. Uh, yeah. Playing really well in OT. You can see the talent, man. Um, that's an explosive, fast guard um, who uh, they need. They need more of those guys, uh, and then they need a bunch of shooters. Uh, they, they need some offensive talent uh, in the portal coming up. Got to get shot making. Of course, as they did with Shannon and Meyer, they're going to aim high in the portal and look for some real impact pieces. If Coleman leaves, I think a stretch four is going to be a huge priority for them, especially now that, you know, Zachary Perrin not being in the mix. And and that could be somewhere where they address that too. So, uh, and then a, a ball handling guard too is still something that is going to be of interest as a, as a veteran to kind of pair with those younger guards and Epps who will be experienced by, you know, obviously next year, but Gibbs Lawhorn. I'm just happy that, I don't know, I'm sure the staff has to be as well. He was barely playing in Mount Verde. Like, not yeah, that he I, wasn't playing at all, but. He dropped in the rankings. People asked me why. I go, he's not playing. Like, yeah. he's not playing basketball right now. Uh, I think he should go back up in those rankings, but it might be a little late for that. But um, you can see the the, the talent, man. Um, he's transferred a lot. That's always a little bit of concern. Um, but, man, the, the talent is certainly there. Amani Hansbury is exactly the type of four you've seen for years at Michigan State. Illinois is getting more Michigan State front court guys now, like Ty yeah. Rogers, Amani Hansbury. Um, Even Merez is kind of – Merez is a lot like that. that. Um, so, yeah, I love what you got in the front court. You just need more offensive talent with, with Jaden Epps. I mean, RJ Mondes coming back for another year I think would be really important. That's why I talk about retaining talent, like building on it. You don't want to have to get seven transfers uh, in a year, seven new players every year, um, even though it seems like it's always going to be the case moving forward. To be able to to go out and get some some big pieces in the portal is always great, but, yeah, retention would be a big deal. To, you're going to always seem seemingly have that blend at Illinois. Illinois wants to be a player in the portal. You're probably going to take some – some rentals in that sense, but to to have some of the returners be a little bit older this year, especially if you were to get a guy like Coleman back. But you mentioned it there with RJ. I, I think it's great that RJ, I mean, he didn't go in the tank. You know, he could have. This, this is very Coleman Hawkins-esque last year, isn't it? It's true. It's true. I mean, he could have. Like, I, I remember off the suspension, played at Penn State, what, like a couple minutes maybe? And it looked like Luke was maybe going to pass him up. And where was RJ's head going to be at after that point? So yeah. uh, I'd love that. I, I, I think it's important. Like, yes, bring him back. Like somebody asked, let him go. No, I would want him back. Um, yep. You know, Goody gets a full year. Like yep. you want those guys back that have been in the program, been in those battles. That's why I think getting Coleman Hawkins back for another year, if you can pull it off NIL wise or, you know, whatever it is, like, um, I, I think it'd be really huge to get those guys back. Someone asked what happened to Moretti. He's sitting on the bench. He's, he's red shirting. He's getting stronger. I, I, I saw him warming up and I told Michael Tupp, who's sitting next to me, he needs to get some squats. <laughs> he needs to do some squats. He said, well, and everything else, um, really talented player, but he's just not ready physically. Right. Yeah. To get him in the program, have him be able to battle the guys in practice on, on the, 
scout team, work with Fletch, someone that's a, a dynamic ball handler. Like they they make him he he makes the staff think of Curbelo at least as far as the the playmaking potential because he can really break guys down uh, with off the bounce. He can make good reads and pick and rolls. Uh, needs to get more consistent with his three ball, but his three ball is definitely more advanced than, than Curbelo's was. He's got good range on his three, and he, he's got the he's got legitimate upside. So mm-hmm. uh, to work, obviously, Brad in the past has loved the potential of, of bringing somebody in and just letting them acclimate that way. He'll have a foundation by the time they get to the summer and, and being able to see if he can really vault himself in the mix with Epps and, and yep. gives Lawhorn and maybe a, a transfer. But yeah, he's here working. A, yeah. Working out, and uh, we'll see what, how he looks. Yeah, eating too. Uh, getting, yeah. getting a lot of that in. So it's it's kind of like a early enrollee guy for football. It's um, you know you get that extra time is is going to be important for his development. You think they uh, had Monster Energy over there in Italy when he was over there? You know what that is? I always thought like, what do you think Zachary Perrin was thinking about the college experience? Nickel Moretti's probably thinking the same stuff with <laughs> with a roller coaster. This has been, uh, but Matthew Meyer who's going to be a soon-to-be podcast guest of the Online Enquirer podcast. So we have to look out for that next week. Uh, should have a fun conversation with him at some point in the next couple of days. So, um, man, he's he's made this year really interesting, and he's a really good player, Derek. But leaning into that monster, he said he's had some DMs with the, with the monster people. So get that money, Matt. He's done a good job of that, by the way. He's done a really good job with that coming with the, the double fist in the, the monster energies in the post game. That's what he needed. He needed to follow that up or is the story goes viral. I mean, he's on Yahoo. He's on Barstool. Uh, everybody's talking about it. The and brand they, is strong, man. He's got the he's got the mullet back for March. I'm telling yeah. you, like he's if, if Illinois gets to a sweet 16, like Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer will be a big part of it. Matthew Meyer is going to be a big part of it. He's going to be a darling. Like if, if they make some oh, kind of run. Yeah, no, he's got that potential for sure. And he, Let's be honest, he had to show up tonight and have a game because if he would have had a dud after that <laughs> self-inflicted thing like, and put Illinois in a situation where they could really lose some steam down the stretch, that that would hurt. But he 24 have. points and hit four threes, come up big, and then, yeah, have the uh, the monster sliding in the, the DM say, you up? He's definitely going to be one of the most memorable players, man. Yeah. Like one year, but it's going to be one of the most memorable. Uh, the Matthew Meyer experience uh, has been something, man. All right, that's going to do it for Derek Piper and I. Almost an hour on here. Appreciate all you guys. Almost 400 people on here with an hour into this thing. You guys are awesome. Uh, all you guys watching this, give us a like on the YouTube channel. It really helps us out. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, and, of course, everybody listening on the podcast, appreciate you guys. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. We'll have plenty of content up at Alana Inquirer. Derek will have takeaways. I'll have player grades. Joey's going to write about the two stars, the seniors uh, from tonight. Uh, we got plenty of football content coming up as well because Joey was at the Combine uh, today. Joey working, <laughs> burning the candle uh, both ends. So appreciate his uh, effort today. But everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. What if 
if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.